Since dipping my toe into the waters of freelance 12 years ago, I've been successfully freelancing for myself. And over the course of that time, I have learned a lot. And today I'm going to share with you guys a big picture strategy on how to start freelancing. But first, a quick story about my first job. I just did air quotes if you're just listening to this after college. The idea for my first job after college came to me while I was sitting in my dorm room at 2 a.m. pondering how I could avoid getting a full-time job. Even if it was a full-time job in filmmaking, I really didn't want a full-time career. I had been in a fortunate situation where I'd set myself up to have the flexibility financially to explore other opportunities. I was able to get some scholarships. Um, I worked full-time through college. My parents helped me out a bunch. I was an RA, so I, I managed to graduate debt-free, which freed up the possibilities of essentially anything. And so I sat there in my dorm and I came up with completely ridiculous and utterly preposterous ideas for my first postgraduate experience. And the one that I landed on was that I was going to ride a moped coast to coast across the United States. And I would be calling this expedition moped country. So upon graduation 12 years ago, I had a little safety net of a couple thousand dollars, a crazy idea. And at the point of graduation, I had actually been able to find multiple sponsors to fund Moped Country. I had been able to attach a couple of cancer research, re research organizations to help fundraise for them. And I set out with uh, two other buddies and we rode mopeds for two months from coast to coast on mostly uh, back roads going 30 miles an hour, putting our way across 16 states. And we raised thousands of dollars for different uh, cancer research organizations. And I didn't spend a single dollar of my own money on the entire expedition. And this was my first spark of freelancing. And from that moment on, I was hooked. My name is Nick, and this is Nick's Fort, and you are listening to the Freelance Filmmaking Podcast. If you are watching this on the Nick's Fort YouTube channel, you're welcome to chime in below in the comment sections. You can drop questions related to this. I'm going to answer your questions from the previous episode in the current episode every time. So please leave a question. It doesn't have to be about this topic. It can be about anything. Uh, if it is about this topic, that's awesome. But just leave it in the comments below. If you are just tuning in, as a podcast and listening to this only, then you can check out nicksfort.com slash podcast and you can leave your question there. Again, if you are on YouTube, uh, drop a, a little click on that thumbs up. That's super appreciated. And if you aren't subscribed and you like what I'm sharing here, then please subscribe. As we move forward today, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for deeper dives into the topic that I'm talking about on how to start freelancing. If I have done a deeper dive about a specific thing we're talking about, I will reference another video that you can go check out. And those videos are all going to be on Nick's Fort YouTube. And if I haven't done a video and I don't reference a video, then 
and you're interested, if you're like, oh, I really want to know more about this piece of the pie as we move through today, leave a comment and let me know. And I will try to do a whole episode dedicated to some of the topics in here, because a lot of these we can really drill into. And today we're going to kind of look at a big picture strategy to kind of get you started on the road to how to start a successful freelance career. Starting off here, we need to consider is freelancing a good fit for you? That's a really, really important question to ask yourself, and you need to really spend some time chewing on that question and digging deep about if this situation is going to be good for you. I personally really have enjoyed my freelance career. I, I really enjoy the autonomy and the flexibility that freelancing gives me. I really love being my own boss. I really love the discipline that I've been able to foster in my life because of freelancing. I really love going out and finding new ways to get clients, new ways to approach projects. I love all of the opportunities that freelancing allows me to be creative, both in the execution of my projects, in the concepting, but also on the business side of things. I really enjoy freelancing. Freelancing. But the trade-off of freelancing can be stressful. I've literally laid awake at night wondering if I'm going to be able to make enough money to survive. I've made short-term sacrifices for long-term gains. I've had to learn how to be self-disciplined and self-manage myself, and that can be really, really challenging. And in reflecting on my experiences freelancing, it would have been easier to take the time in the beginning to think about, is this a good fit for me? Think about the pros and cons and then use that to hopefully learn some lessons and, and dig into that and see if I can find the joy in freelancing in both the, 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 the hard parts and, and the fun parts before I started the career. It, it could have expedited a lot of things for me. So I would encourage you to take the time to think about the pros and cons of freelancing for yourself and how that's going to help you along uh, that journey. Next, you need to research whether there is a market and whether there is demand for your freelance skill set to the point at which you can actually have a sustainable freelance career working in your specific industry. So for example, if you wanted to be a sound engineer or a field sound recordist uh, in filmmaking, video and, and, and whatnot, and you live in a major metropolitan, I happen to know because I hire these guys that there is a market for that. Um, oftentimes you can charge you know, anywhere between 500 to $800 a day to do sound on location. I'm sure that varies hundreds of dollars in each direction, but this is just my experience hiring sound guys. And those sound guys often are getting hired two to three days on average per week all year long. And if you do the math, that is going to be a sustainable freelance opportunity. So if you were interested in doing that, you can look at that and you'll have a good idea that there's a market for your industry and you know that you have a chance to work in there and be successful long term. So you want to ask yourself kind of these prerequisites as you're approaching freelancing. So you want to ask yourself, do you have a skill set that people pay people for? And then is there a consistent client base out there for you to tap into? And then next, you want to think about niching down your category. You want to think about who is your ideal client. Think about that now. Do a little bit of forward thinking. And that's going to help you 
as you create work and develop your portfolio as a freelancer. The work that you share will lead to getting similar work. So as you reach out to prospective clients, you want to reach out to clients that have a similar need that matches your portfolio. The new clients that you land will then create a cycle that moves in the direction of your portfolio. The work that you do gets the next round of work in a similar category. And thinking about that, think about the limited time and resources you have to solicit new clients. So you want to really be mindful of your portfolio in the direction that you push it as you start your freelance career. But also, don't be worried too much to step outside of your niche and do something outside of your niche. For years, for I think three or four years, I did a lot of work for hospitals. And none of that stuff is in my portfolio. And it's not in my portfolio because I don't want to continue to pursue doing the kind of work I did for hospitals for years. But doing that work didn't take up all my time. But what it did do was allow me to have some revenue to keep my freelance business going. It also allowed me to develop all of these other soft skills that you need as a freelancer and uh, like negotiating your contracts, managing the project, dealing with your business finances, dealing with client relationships. There's all this other stuff that you can learn and you need for all of your projects. So don't be too worried about doing something outside of your niche, but just be more mindful of whether that work is going to show up in your portfolio publicly and allow yourself to do that if you need to, to make money, to work out all these other kinks related to freelancing. And that can actually be a, a, a positive thing. But again, be very mindful of what you're putting out into the world as your portfolio because the work that you create will get more work like that. And then down the road, the work that you're putting out should lead to the dream client that you have in the very beginning as long as you're on top of what you're sharing and how you're sharing that. Share less instead of more. Keep the, 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 Stuff you don't want to in your portfolio separate, have a separate hidden link. I have a separate hidden link for my portfolio of hospital stuff. So if a hospital approaches me, I can say I've done TV ads, I've done doc series, I've done all this hospital work, web content, and then they could still hire me and I can still generate revenue if I need to on the side with that separate private portfolio. This next thing is super, super important. Don't bother with the race to the bottom on pricing. Don't bother with those websites like Upwork or Fiverr or any of those websites because you're going to be participating in a race to the bottom. It's not going to help you be, be an authority in your niche. It's not going to help you gain a reputation and it's not going to help you make money in a sustainable fashion for your freelance career. Instead, take the time now as you're beginning your freelance career to dial in your pricing. I have an entire video about how to set your prices based on your needs. And I'll link that above and below and it'll be in the show notes if you're just listening to this. And you can learn how to price your work, do that. And then as you do that, you'll have your standard pricing. And then you can also create a bottom tier pricing that you can do as a discounted rate, whether that is for a small company that can't afford your normal rate, but you still really want to work with them, or maybe it's a nonprofit discount or something like that. But you'll have this range of costs for your services that 
allows you to have a successful, long-term, sustainable career as a freelancer. And then if someone asks you to do something for free, don't do that. Don't work for free on a project for a company, okay? I think that if you're going to do free work, you should do a passion project that is going to be a great portfolio piece for you that will help you land that dream client. Do that for free. If a client wants you to work for free, then that's not the client that you're going to want to work for because you can't live on free. So just tell them that this is your bottom price. This is the best you can do and do something with them or another opportunity to, to sort of work in the world of like, we don't have enough money is remove deliverables, remove crew, remove work. So if someone only has a thousand dollars to do something with you, then only give them a thousand dollars worth of your time based on your, your needs and your pricing. And if they want to do that, awesome. And if they don't, well, then they would probably want to go with someone else. You need to compete on value and quality of work, not pricing. That's kind of the bottom line when it comes to pricing. And a quick side note, if you are interested in quick tips, I do a ton of them on my Instagram stories, so they're going to be pretty short. Um, and I've also put together highlight reels on my Instagram and you can watch those highlight reels and they're kind of by category. So you can say, I want to watch a bunch of things about freelancing. I want to watch a bunch of things about money. I want to watch a bunch of things about creative and you can watch those highlights. And my Instagram is at Nick's Fort, just like all my other handles. So if you're interested, go check it out. If you're enjoying this, go check it out. It's kind of bite-sized content. And then this next uh, how to start freelancing thing, I think is one of the most important elements. And this is planning your entry into your freelance career. And we're going to kind of talk about two main pillars. And I can't stress this enough. This is super, super important. And this will make your freelance transition a lot easier. So the first pillar is going to be creating an emergency fund. And then the second pillar is going to be learning how to make short-term sacrifices for long-term gain. Living paycheck to paycheck is not a successful path to freelancing. Seasoned freelancers understand that time management, money management, and a cushion for the hard times when it comes to freelancing is critical. You need to have a safety net of money to catch you when you don't have a lot of work. Sometimes you have a lot of work. Sometimes you don't. It ebbs and flows. It's just going to happen. So you need to be able to make a nest egg, a, a, an emergency fund for yourself that you can rely on during the slow times. And so as you're going to approach a freelance career, what you want to literally do, what you want to do is you want to save up I I'm, I'm going to say six months. You want to save up six months of your salary and put that in a separate account before you go freelance and you have this big chunk of money. And then as you move into your career, your freelance career, the goal, the hope, the what I really hope happens for you when you do that is you set that aside. It earns interest and then you don't touch that money until you retire. Honestly, like that money is your new zero. Let's save a, let's say you save up $30,000 to start your freelance career as your safety salary net in an ideal situation. 
you're never going to touch that. It's just going to earn interest over time. And it's just going to be there as a backup when things get slow. And you can keep adding to that as you have more success freelancing and you can have that, that cushion just in case that time arrives. And if it never does, then that's awesome. That's a great retirement cushion for you and a safety net as you start freelancing. And in order to save an emergency fund to start freelancing, we're getting into our second point here, which is short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. And when I say short-term, I don't necessarily mean a week or a month. It could be years. It could be years of sacrifice for a long-term gain being 20, 30, 40 years. The point is, you might need to make sacrifices as you, you no, no, you might, you will need to make sacrifices as a freelancer, both going and preparing to start your freelance career. And then also as it continues, you will have to make these sacrifices in many different ways. So you need to learn and be comfortable with that. A good example of this is actually um, Sidney DeYoung's I think I probably slaughtered his name, Diangza, Diangza, Sydney Diangza. He's a buddy of mine and he has a full-time job right now and he's transitioning into his a freelance career as a YouTube creator. And he is doing this in a very smart way where he is making, he's making a safety net and, it, and he's doing that by busting his ass and doing the short-term sacrifice currently. So he gets up at 4 a.m., every day and he works from four or something like that until like seven or eight in the morning on his YouTube channel and on his freelance career. And then he goes to his nine to five and he works all day. And then he comes home and he spends some time with his family. And then he works from like nine to midnight on his freelance career. And then he goes to bed for four hours. And I don't know how he does that. That sounds terrible, but you have to do that in the beginning because he needs to save up the safety net. He needs to build up the revenue in his freelance business. He needs to get that going. If you can get your revenue in your freelance business to be 75% of your current salary at your full-time job, and you saved up uh, six months of, of your salary as a safety net, well, then I think you're probably ready to take the leap into freelancing. You probably have built up this client base. You probably have the ability to go for it and 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 make a, a strong run at it. And, uh, you know, that is what you need to make a smooth transition and give yourself, you got to give yourself an opportunity to have a successful freelance career. If you don't Give yourself that chance by setting yourself up financially and with a client base on the side, you will have a lot of trouble succeeding as a freelancer. As you chew on these ideas related to starting your freelance career, I think the number one way to create a sustainable freelance career is to build strong relationships with your clients. If you find a client that's a good match, you foster that relationship. And I'm speaking from my own experience and also every other freelancer that I've ever talked to their experience. When you have a client that's in your corner and they love your work and you become friends with them, they become your advocate. They do a lot of word of mouth marketing for you and they share your services. And one way to foster those relationships with your clients is to give them cool client gifts and get creative with that. And I actually made a video about 
client gifts that you guys should check out. I've linked it above and below. And there is one more video that I would recommend you go check out in, it's called Watch This Before You Start Freelancing. And that's gonna kind of pair well with this in terms of some other tips that are gonna be useful for you as you start your freelance career. In a second, I'm gonna answer your questions from the last episode, which was why your gear doesn't matter. I got a couple of really cool questions, so we're gonna dig into those. But also, before we get into that, I just wanna let you guys know, I'm very thankful for you tuning in. And if you appreciate and you like what you're learning, please share this with someone else who you think is gonna find this helpful. Share the love. If you guys have questions related to this episode or any episode or any question at all, please leave them in the comments below. Let's get a conversation started. And also, if uh, you're listening to this on the radio waves of podcasting, then you can head over to Nick's Fort YouTube or either uh, nicksfort.com slash podcast, and you can leave your question there. So I have two thoughtful questions from Thomas Donalek, 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 hopefully I got that right, uh, that I want to jump into. And if you missed the last episode, I talked about why your gear doesn't matter. And I'll link that uh, up below and above so you guys can check that out if you want to, if you haven't listened to it yet. Um, his first question, Thomas's first question here is, when you're starting out, you don't know what you don't know or what will be a good learning opportunity. What would you suggest as a one to two minute project, probably non-narrative, that would be good for learning a range of core stuff? So Thomas, I think that any project that will bring you from start to finish is going to be a good project to learn the core essentials of creating. I think that it doesn't really matter whether that's a music video or a documentary or a short film, but as long as you're going through the process from concept to publish, then you're going to be able to learn core stuff. And you can kind of sort of figure out how that's going to look for you as an individual. You can dig deep and do every single thing along the way. Like you could come up with an idea, make an outline, turn it into a script, make a storyboard, make a shot sheet, do all of that, go into production, or maybe you just simplify it for the first time and you have an idea and you make an outline and then you go into production. But either way, the point is, I think that if you do a project and you maybe you box uh, uh, the time to be one to two minutes long and you do this project and you go from start to finish and you publish it, make sure you publish it and you get some feedback from people and then you reflect on the project. What did you learn? What worked? What didn't work? And you identify those areas where you can learn, then that's going to be your best choice. And then Thomas's second question is rooted in looking at a project someone has created and dissecting that finished project for lessons to be learned. For example, you might have filmed your first music video on a cell phone. You sit down with your filmmaking mentor for some feedback. They might look at the piece and suggest that you work on learning more about lighting and maybe practice pacing your edit better in post-production. They give you notes that are not related to your gear. And so Thomas asked related to that situation, what would be a good project to identify where someone might benefit from new gear versus really extracting more out of what they have now for gear? All right. So Thomas, I, I, th this is a complicated question. So I'm going to just read my answer. Uh, the answer for me is there is no good project for this. And that is because I'm not sure that there is an end to the lessons and learnings that are not related to gear that one can extract from a completed project. 
In other words, you could be an Oscar award-winning director that makes a film on an iPhone, like we talked about last week, and still be able to reflect back on that finished film and learn lessons for the next project, learn ways to extract more out of the gear that they had used on that film, which was an iPhone. If you guys found this helpful, please share it. Like, subscribe below, comment, leave your love, and I will see you guys next week. Peace. Wah, wah, wee, wah. Wah, wah, wee, wah. King of the castle. Wah, wah, wee, wah. Ear picked up beckle pickle dappers. Unique New York.